Right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Take Flight Podcast. This is episode number 139, and your favorite quartet are back for a jam-packed group episode. Now, today we are discussing a very hot topic right now, and it's a word that you are potentially hearing and seeing everywhere. We are talking about a recession. Now, in the news nowadays, it's hard to avoid certain words coming up a lot. Inflation, price increases, interest rate rises, redundancies, market sell-offs, everything is up in the air and indicating that we are either heading towards or already in a recession. So what can we do to prepare? Now, in this episode, we share our observations in terms of what we are seeing personally, data points, and from a business macro perspective. Then we shift gear into a constructive dialogue in terms of how we can all get ready for a potential recession and for what's potentially coming. And then to close out the episode, we share our predictions on if, when, and how long will this recession last. Now, an important caveat for this episode, this podcast is for information purposes only. Matters discussed are not intended to provide and should not be relied on as investment, accounting, legal, or tax advice or recommendation. The views and opinions presented are those of the four podcasters and or our guests, and these may of course change. Now, we advise that you seek and or obtain independent professional advice in relation to your personal circumstances. Now, finally, before the music hits, if you have five seconds, please remember to subscribe on whichever platform you use to listen to us. Leave a review on Spotify now. You can also leave leave reviews. And in case you do want to see our faces, our amazing producer, Nandi, has uploaded all our content on YouTube. So please subscribe there too. Now let's hit the music and get into this meaty episode. Take off, take flight with you. All right, guys, we are back for a group episode and it feels like it's been a while. So let's uh, do our usual check-ins. Daniel, how how are you feeling? Because I feel like you've just come from a uh, a great period. So how, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm well feeling a bit jet-lagged. For those who don't know, I spent a bit of time in the US uh, last week in New York and Atlanta uh, for some work and pleasure as well. But um, feeling rejuvenated, revitalized and uh, just thinking about the outlook in the future and uh, it's looking very bright. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, one, one, maybe one, uh, one quick question. When, when was the last time you last went to the US, and any immediate reflections from that time versus now? The last time I went to the US was in November 2019 for Thanksgiving, so just three months shy of the pandemic before that began. But my last time in New York, coincidentally, was in 2016, mm. and from my last time there six years ago, things have changed considerably. Um, I think we're going to touch on, on it, this topic, but the, the rate, the price of goods has uh, skyrocketed. The place just seems dirtier than before, if I'm, if I'm honest. Um, but, you know, I think there are so many good new, th- new things that have happened and developed in the area. Um, but, of course, my time there was very brief, so I can't really speak for, for it uh, on, a, on a grand scale. But mm-hmm. it was nevertheless, it was good to be back, um, good to see family as well and see, see the team. And it's great to it's great to see the Daniel Johnson of old in the last twelve months jet setting around the world again. I miss that Daniel energy. So it's good to good to have you back, Daniel. Yeah, um, yeah, and I'm looking, and I'm very much looking forward to my next trip next <laughs> month. Right, oh, yeah. right. Gonna be, be, be great. He's ready. Gonna love it. Love it. Love it. Twenty twenty two Daniel energy is the goal. That's the benchmark. Um, Olu, Olu, how Olu, how are you doing? How are you doing? I'm I'm good. I can't complain. No, um, but I echo what you said. It's good to see Daniel traveling again. Um, watching his stories, getting his feedback. If you're part of his close friends um, group, you get so much insight into Daniel's travel experience and it's always a joy. And I'm sure from 2016, the difference is 
the pound versus the US. So you're feeling you're feeling that inflation and the FX impact there. But um, on my side, I'm good. Life is good. Uh, reaching a busy time in regards to work. Um, so just really trying to focus on that for the next two weeks. And then I'm going to try to take a leaf out of Daniel's book and start to jet set, um, take a couple of trips. Um, and yeah, I'm sure we're going to talk about some of those trips. Where are you going? South and don't see. Because of this topic, and we're talking about Black recession folk. and inflation, it might, have to be, uh, it might have to be... <laughs> It might have to be a UK trip, maybe Brighton or somewhere by the seaside. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All right, but that's good to good to hear, Olin. Uh, I'm I'm sure we'll get the chance to catch up together in an international environment sometime next uh, next month. Which should be which should be fun. Uh, and good luck with your first quarter close in your new role as well. So I think that's going to be a good le- good learning period. P P, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good. All good. Um, thankful. Feeling good. Um, optimizing the routine, just trying to reach peak, peak state in the gym, working the body, working the mind. Good. I'm in a good spirit, good space. Uh, family's good. No complaints. So, um, and then we're working, slowly coming into summer period. So, you um, working the body. Yeah, working on the body, working on the mind. Uh, can't tell. Can't tell. Oh, is can't it? Tell. <laughs> 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 that one I'll give you. That one I'll give you. <laughs> But yeah, not sure. All good. All good. But it's good to good to hear, Pierre. And you know, I think this is this is a good window to give these um jibes about physical appearance because God willing, we will all be meeting together in person in the month of August, which is roughly about eight weeks uh, from now. And I think then would be the true test in terms of who's been who's been really working out and who's been doing some other yeah, other things. So that'd be we're looking at those stomachs. Give, 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 give that Geneva tap. At Geneva Tap. <laughs> <laughs> not this time, not this time. Oh, well, be, it'll be great. And I think for the, for the listeners, you, you may be, um, the Geneva Tap is a story for another time. But we actually, since we started this podcast, we've mentioned this a couple of times, we haven't had the chance to be in the same room together and also with our producer, Nandi. And I think the plan is in August to meet together and uh, to take a, at least a picture together and some catch-up. So it should be should be good. Um, and just to close out the, the check-ins, on, on my side, all good. I was actually having catch up with one of my um, colleagues earlier earlier today, and the way that I framed it is that I think the next eight to twelve weeks are the the last last few games of the season, and there's a potential treble in the pipeline. I just need to make sure that I sh- that I fire across all uh, mm-hmm. all cylinders. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be a busy busy period, but hopefully fruitful by the end of uh, end of summer. We just keep pushing uh, pushing through. Um, but then with that, let's transition into this meaty topic that we have in terms of a recession and are you, we, I ready for a recession? Now, just to kick off the episode, just to give a, give us all a framing in terms of what a recession is, some people may not be familiar with uh, what it means. So I think at the moment, everyone or a lot of people, majority of people are feeling the pinch as the cost of living has quickly morphed into somewhat of a crisis in different parts of the world, and especially in the UK. Uh, gas and oil prices have, have skyrocketed, and we can expect further energy price hikes later in the year. So the question is, is it really time to buck up, buckle up and prepare for the worst, or can we do anything in anticipation of that? Now, probably everyone is aware, and you've seen it on the news, inflation, so that's the rate of price increasing, has continued to soar. And the cost of living has hit households across the country. And some experts are predicting another recession. So just a clear framing, what is a recession? The technical definition of a recession is when an economy contracts over two consecutive 
quarters. So that's six months. Now, it's generally accepted that when an economy does this, it has entered a recession. And that is that is measured primarily by its gross domestic product. So essentially the output that's being created by that country. So the Bank of England, they have technically not yet predicted a recession. However, they do expect a huge downturn towards the end of this year with a contraction of almost 1% between October and December. And they're estimating that next year, the GDP is forecasted to be below 2022 levels throughout the whole of 2023, with growth expected to average out at zero for the next uh, 12 months. So it looks like a recession might be on the cards. Now, just some other facts before we open up for a discussion with the group. What might cause another UK recession? So there's multiple factors. Um, In isolation, nothing looks so big, but they are big challenges when you combine them all together. We've had lockdowns in the UK, slowing down economy, Russia's invasion of the Ukraine impacting gas and oil, and then now, of course, the volatile climate that we see in the financial markets as well. This has led to a sharp rise in household bills. Since April, it's estimated that there's been a 54% jump in gas and electricity, and the Bank of England believe that costs will rise even further in October by as much as 40%. And this will take the average domestic bills for households to more than £2,800 a year, while also interest rates are expected to hit levels not seen in more than 30 years. So that's to set the scene, guys, a little bit. And now let's open up for a, for a group discussion in terms of what you are all observe, observing from your perspectives, whether it's personal, business, uh, macro, who would like to kick off the discussion? I don't mind um, kicking off. Sure, I think that was a really good introduction in regards to just setting the stage, um, what technically a recession means. Um, I would say the last few months, years, um, has felt like a economics lesson, right? So Daniel and P, we all study the same course in university and you hear about recessions, you hear about the Great Depression, um, the financial um, crisis, but it's we haven't really lived through a real financial crisis like mm. we're going through right now. Um, and I think one of my sort of key observations is the first thing I tried to do was really just differentiate what are the different elements that we're facing, right? Because like you mentioned, a recession is when on two quarters, um, there's a slowdown in GDP. So mm. technically, based on that definition, we're not in a recession, right? Um, the the Q2 results are going to come out soon, and potentially we're going to find out that we're actually technically in a recession, and that's completely fine. But I think what's different within this particular time and other recessions that we faced is we're seeing so many different factors being impacted at the same time. So mm. we're seeing inflation coming and inflation is like predictable inflation is okay right typically we expect between two percent of inflation year over year the problem here that we're facing is really uncontrolled inflation Mm. uncontrolled inflation and also that uncontrolled inflation is impacting the cost of living right because if we saw um inflation only in let's say the stock pri- uh, stock market impact in the stock market or maybe like the house prices maybe you want to have such a massive in- impact on people's households but this sort of inflation is impacting all consu- uh, consumables right and what i mean she was mentioned 
cost of gas. We've seen that skyrocket. Uh, we've seen rental prices go up, right? We've seen the cost of food. So this is an element where no one is safe. It's not just a situation that your cash cash is losing value. Is you've got so much fixed cost that you're just having to pay more than you used to pay six months ago, a year ago. So I think that's the first thing. And I try to sort of deep dive and understand inflation, what impacts inflation. And when I think about that, right, I think of it as prices, inflation is increasing prices. Okay, what impacts prices? It's really supply and demand. We've had a shortage when it comes to supply due to COVID, the lockdown. So many companies stopped their manufacturing. Um, we've seen a shortages of chips. That's one element. And now we're seeing supply just skyrocket. And the reason why supply has gone up is, one, there's just been so much free money in the market. So we talk about interest rates as well. And you try, you realize that money was so cheap. Interest rates were so low. Like we felt lower than 1% interest rates. And we got to a point where we thought that was the norm. Sometimes you'll talk to your parents and they'll say, oh, I remember when I was getting my first house, mortgage rates were six, seven, eight, nine, ten percent. We couldn't fathom that or imagine those sort of interest rates because we never lived through that time. So there's something called um, risk free money. Right. And because now we're seeing interest rates go up, people are starting to demand better returns for their money. So what this is really just causing is it's causing a situation that the only way that you can control this inflation and what the Treasury, um, the Fed in the US, what they try to do is the way you control it is by increasing your interest rates. So now by this, again, it felt like an economic lesson, but this is more real because you're actually experiencing this in real time. But you're going through understanding what impacts inflation, understanding how you control inflation, which is increasing interest rates, which hopefully by increasing your interest rates, you're making it more expensive for people to borrow money, which then should mean that they will slow down. But now the problem that you face with that is if people slow down their spending, this would now start to impact the earnings of so many different companies. So then you start to see a GDP decline and a recession hit. So um, for me, I've it's tough to go through this, right? And I think we haven't seen the final straw of a recession, I'll say, where you start to see a lot of unemployment, right? I think unemployment is still holding up um, where we haven't seen a large amount of layoffs. We're starting to see it in some of the big tech companies, but we're not really seeing a massive one now. So right now, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, one, I'm learning a lot, right? Because this is our first real recession that we're going through as adults, people making... Um, income, investors, business owners. How can I learn as much as possible? Research and look at historical recessions. And then we'll talk about in the later on in this episode, but prepare for this recession. Because whenever I think of recession or recession coming up, I think of really two elements. I think of protect, and we'll go through some of the things you can do to protect yourself. And then I think about exploit. And exploit is such a dirty word right when you hear the word exploit but the real we live in a capitalist world and a lot of wealth is generated through a recession so understanding okay what are the ways that you can exploit the recession 
and try to build some level of generational wealth that's going to last you 10, 20, 30 years. So mm. I'll stop there and pass it on to the other guys because I don't want to mention all the points, but that's Olu, sort of I, my first observation. No, and Olu, I think you really um, unpacked a lot there from a macro perspective and really explained in terms of what we're seeing, uh, not just in the UK, but also globally and the repercussions of that from a macro level. So thanks a lot for, for sharing. And then maybe looking towards Daniel or, or P in terms of, who can maybe share maybe what you're seeing from a personal anecdotal basis or what you're observing a bit closer to home? Yeah, I can go, certainly. Um, just, just to, I wanted to say firstly, when there's talks of recession, I think there's the fear factor that you keep repeating it and that's what affects consumer spending. So ine inevitably, there will be a recession. And I recall correctly, if I don't recall correctly, I think it was November or October last year, P put on his status, we are in a recession. Um, because of the way the market was moving. And it's not that we have to wait for them to officially announce it because when they officially announce it, it doesn't mean from that day we're in a recession. We could have been in a recession for a period of time prior to them officially announcing it. But anyway, that aside. Um, Daniel, more did, Daniel yeah. did P actually say this? Yeah, he did. Oh, I was, I'm literally... Let me, go on, Daniel, finish. Then. Let me, okay, go on. you're ahead of the game. <laughs> <Go on. Okay. laughs> um, but I was going to say from a more personal point of view and, and kind of how it's impacting... Uh, me and my, my family, you know, we 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 are heavy. We we drive, um, and I'll share some I'll share some numbers with you. So, for example, our gas and electric bill prior to the price increase which occurred in April, we're paying sixty pounds a month for gas and electricity combined. We got uh, a letter or an email in March or yeah, in March in the March period saying from the seventh of April, your gas and electric is going to rise to one hundred and sixty pound a month. So already, that's £100 on top of what we were originally paying. Yeah. And that's for the same consumption. Nothing changed, nothing different, but it's extra £100 a month. Year on year, that's like an extra 1200 just yeah. like that. And we were on probably a cheaper tariff compared to others. I know others that will pay maybe 120 uh, or whatever it may be, and others, then their providers are saying they're going to be paying £300 a month. And the, the, the thing is, what people didn't know is many people between October last year and uh, April changed provider, which meant they didn't have that protection. So that mm. potentially their gas or electric company could charge them whatever they wanted and they had nothing they could do about it. So we hadn't changed provider. We kept with who we were, even when it was time to renew last year, because we anticipated this was going to happen. We thought, okay, the best thing we can do is to stay with our current provider. On another personal note, we, we drive diesel. We have a 70 litre tank. <laughs> and boy, <laughs> let's just say... Uh, Melissa said she went to fill up last week. She said she paid £117 to fill up the tank. And I was Madness. like, boy. I was like, boy. And usually we fill up the tank like every two weeks. Mm. But I say we don't, okay. I would say we fill up the tank. We have this thing where we don't let the tank, uh, the, the gauge fall be below half. So every time it reaches half, we just top it up. So we just top it up. We keep topping it up. But I noticed every time I'm topping it up, it's now getting to about £70 to top up from quarter tank. From Sorry, from half tank. 75 pound from half tank before it was like 40 pounds 50 pounds and now it's like whoa when is this thing stopping i'm holding it looking at the numbers the numbers ain't stopping <laughs> the numbers are not stopping <laughs> and we we buy our fuel from costco where it tends to be kind of the cheaper <laughs> place to buy it rather than shell or bp if you've got deep pockets definitely go to shell or bp <laughs> oh boy your pockets won't be deep for long um <laughs> so yeah <laughs> i'll tell you for free um but yeah, so we can we can definitely see it and feel it. 
in just terms of a, a day-to-day living cost. Also, Melissa does the shopping and she, she's been saying for about a good eight, nine months now, it's getting more expensive. Every time she goes to do a food shop, we don't necessarily do like big food shops. We just go on a weekly basis. We buy what we need. And she's finding that she's finding that she's buying less goods for a greater sum. So she, she, she would often come home and say, how much do you think I paid for this? I'm like, 20 pounds. She's like, no, 50. I'm like, oh, okay. Things are getting expensive. But I'll tell you when it hit me. I think I shared this with Pete the other day. You know the you know the bottle of Schler, like the non-alcoholic fizzy drink. How much do you usually buy that for when it's on offer? It's one pound or less. It's, it's one pound. It's one pound on mm. offer. Schler, white grape, red red berry, whatever it is. You know, you can just a free glass of this done. I saw this one liter bottle in Sainsbury's. No, sorry, no, no, in Asda. Sorry, Sainsbury's is always expensive. In Asda. For £2.40, I said, what? I said, inflation is real. Inflation is real because what many people aren't also seeing is, and a lot of manufacturers are saying it, um, that they're, they're giving the same price, but the quantity is smaller. We've, we've all known from, from days, quality street. Used to be big old uh, aluminium tin. Now plastic, this, this thick. 20, 10 chocolates in there. Two rock, two fudge, two Not country fudge. Free toffee coins. No, no, no. Forget it. They're ripping us off big time. But I tell you when it really hit me. Last week in New York. I always knew New York was expensive. I walk in to 7-Eleven to buy not even Fiji water. It was a central plus water. I don't even know if that's a good brand. But I was looking for what's more economic and cheap. For a one litre bottle. Four, $4 for one bottle of water. Mm. I thought inflation is... This, this is not a joke. Mm. It's really, really, really getting expensive. Mm. And what, what it's made me think is, I'm, I'm not rich. Am I feeling the squeeze? Yeah, definitely feeling the squeeze. You can definitely feel like, yeah, this is starting to become out of hand. But for those who are now having to decide between gas and electric or food. Food. We're, we're in, okay, we're not, okay. We're technically in summer. We know UK doesn't really have a summer, but the, the weather's warmer. But when it hits October, when gas electric is going to increase further and the cost of living and food prices are even greater, it's quite a scary sight for those who, you know, will be struggling. Um, and it's not nice. It's never nice to see other people suffer or in hardship, especially when you, you want to help, but you might be, you may not be able to help, but you want to help. Um, I'll pause there, but all I'll say is from a personal level, day-to-day living, definitely seeing an increase. Definitely seeing things becoming more expensive. Definitely seeing every every trip, fuel the fuel is depleting, the price is becoming more expensive. Um, and it's not to say that you shouldn't live your life and enjoy it. It's just that you have to be very careful. And I think we'll go into the steps of how we're each preparing to you know to sort of account for the cost of living increase. No, Daniel, and, I think that. Um, yeah. And Daniel, that last point that you made, I'm not sure if you guys know. Um, was it a few months ago the um, the guy that's in charge of Money Supermarket, they did an Martin interview Lewis. with him. Martin Lewis, Martin Lewis. did an interview. I have with no him. more. I have no more solutions for you. He says the the cost crisis that we're in right now, the cost of living crisis that we're in. I have no more solutions for you guys, and that's how bad it is. And I hmm. think that's the part where it's scary. I think a lot of us on this call are fortunate that we have good jobs. We have some level of safety if it's family, friends that can protect us. But there's a population, a large population, where, like Daniel said, they've got to make the decision of 
Do we have heating or do we have food? And that's where there needs to be a serious solution, which I don't know what the answer is. And I don't want, and I think one of the biggest frustration I have is a lot of people saying, oh, it's because of the war in Ukraine. I, I don't listen to that. That's not the reason. Like it might have accelerated where we are, but we've but, been we've been heading in this direction for a long period of time. Mm. And what Daniel mentioned in terms of the gas and electricity and the fact that there's no cap in terms of how much, in certain cases, how much companies can charge, for me, that's disgusting. And, and just a plus one on that, because these things were accelerated prior to the Ukraine-Russia tension. That should not be used as an excuse. Really and truly, that should not be used as an excuse by the government. And when you talk about the cost of living, you know, average pay increases aren't keeping up and aren't keeping pace with inflation. Figures from the Office of, Office of National Statistics show that wages, excluding bonuses, rose by 4.2% between February and April. But when you take into account inflation, regular pay actually fell 2.2% uh, compared um, to 12 months ago. So those are key figures you also have to see is that inflation's increase um, is rising, wages aren't, and you know when we we'll talk what was mentioned earlier about Oli saying that usually when inflation um, is increasing they will try and curb that with interest rates, but when inflation is caused by external forces such as ri um, rising global energy prices, then there's a there's very much a limit to how effective UK interest rate rises can be. Mm. Um, I'm going to give it to P now because P's been sharing about even when to our oil and gas companies, how much, how much their, their shareholders are taking and bonuses, uh, all of that. The only thing I wanted to quit, go on, Oli, what were you going to say? I was going to say, you, were you going to expose the fact that I was selling some of my oil and gas? No, I wasn't going to say that. I wasn't going to say that. No, just very quickly, because I know you want to move on to perhaps the next chapter of the discussion, but I just wanted to sort of um, circle back onto Oli. I think you made a great point, which is um, a lot of what we're talking about today is really, if you, if you, if you're taking notes generally in life, you're, you're going through a real education. This is like, for me, I believe since the beginning of 2020, it's been an economic, you know, uh, MBA, right? If you, and I think the, the thing I wanted just to quickly add is whenever you have the Bank of England printing um, in around 500 billion, right? And injecting that into the market through quantitative easing, you know, at some point within the next, you know, 24 to 36 months, you're going to have, this um, turbulence that we have today. So for me, I actually, you know, one of the things to what Daniel was saying, I don't, I believe we've actually been in a recession for quite some time now. I think what we're seeing, what we are in now is maybe some more severe than maybe um, the back end of 2021. But I think it's been quite um, a dear situation in, in the, for the UK economy in particular, since they started printing that money. So I think, I think again, inflation is no surprise where inflation is. You could have predicted that back in 2020 based on the printing. Um, you could also then understand based on how um, economics work that you need to then obviously raise interest rates. And we're also going to see um, an effect and move on taxes as well. So a lot of what we're seeing today could have easily been predicted two years ago. I think the question is just the extent to what is ha actually happening. Um, but I think the last thing I'll, be, I'll say is it's a real lesson for all of us, because I think, Oli, you mentioned a great point, which is for our generation, we were at university when this was perhaps taking place last time, right? And as we know, based on historical data, a recession happens every 10 years. So a lot to learn and people shouldn't sort of go through this period and sort of not hope for it to end, but just, uh, you know, just this, it's, it's nothing. It's, it's, there's a lot to take away from this. But yeah, sure. 
No, I love that. And I think um, I think you guys have really, uh, the, the the macro framing that Olu had and then some of the the micro examples that Daniel has seen in, in day-to-day. And I think, Pete, the way that you've pulled it together, I think that's, um, yeah, it, we perfectly covered in terms of what we are observing from, from our perspective in terms of this potential recession or recession that we are already in. But maybe we can shift gear into more of a uh, constructive discussion in terms of, okay, so those are the facts on the table, but what can we do next to make sure that we are all best prepared that our families are best prepared that our businesses are most best prepared so really how can we get ready and how you the listener can also be ready for this period that we are uh, potentially going through so who would like to kick off in terms of what they're personally doing now for the next six to twelve how about you kick us off for this one yeah so i think there's there's, there's only one solution there's only one solution uh to the situation that we find ourselves in i think one is to change mindset um because it's how you perceive recession right, as an environment, as a context. Um, just because potentially a market is contracting, it doesn't mean that you have to as an individual. It doesn't mean that you have to as a, actually as a family unit. So I think, one, changing the mindset, because I think fear drives a certain le- level of decisions that actually make you inactive. Um, so trying to look at more the positive um, aspects and perspectives from, from a recession. Where are the opportunities? And I think Olu can, can sort of further elaborate on that. But the only solution that I believe that people should try to understand, um, and it might be difficult to swallow when you're actually going through an environment where everywhere you turn, the prices are increasing, is you have to find ways to increase your income. And the reason being is because you can only reduce your expenses by so much. And I think the reason why I say that is because right now, probably people are probably looking at their expense base and saying, where can I cut costs? Where can I cut costs? And you'll find you're sort of running into a, a brick wall. What you have to do is say to yourself, okay, I need to basically look at my skills and my service and understand what skills am I developing? What what service am I providing? Whether it's a corporate situation or as an entrepreneur, the question is still the same. And I need to find ways to keep increasing my income. And it's, it's, I don't think people want to have that conversation. I don't think people want to sort of um, face that music. They sort of say, maybe, maybe there's something in my cost base, but the only way to survive in a recession is to focus on increasing your top line. Um, and the other thing I'll also just quickly add as well, um, we're talking about the, the market, we're talking about macro perspectives. People should start to look a little bit at their personal economy. So what drives an economy, right? Is spending, your ability to spend, your ability to invest. So when an economy stops spending, as we see in today, because people have loss of confidence and not spending, it starts to contract. As I mentioned before, just because the market is potentially contracting, it doesn't mean that you have to, right? So there are still opportunities to spend and invest into opportunities. There are still opportunities to increase your income. So that, for me, is is what I believe personally is the only solution and the way to take on um, what's coming over the next 24 months. Love it, P. Thanks a lot. Anyone would like to go next to build on? Yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, I can add. So I think at the beginning, I spoke about um, really two phases, right? And it, when I think of a, a recession and going into a recession, you've really got to think about it from the two sides of a coin. You've got the protect element, and then you've got the exploit element. So, in, and please mention a few of them, and I'll just go. So if we just focus on protect, so how do you protect yourself, your family, your friends, and your business? Um, I think the first thing you want to do is how do you protect your job? So one thing you learn through a recession is, or it becomes more apparent during a recession is how important your individual skill is. 
and how can you upskill so that you become um, to a point where you're irreplaceable in your workplace, mm. right? So that could be, and we should have been doing this even prior to a recession, if it's new training, new skills, new qualifications, where your employer, if they're going to make that tough decision, they're like, damn, we can't let go of Shawal. He's got MBA, he's doing this. Like, now nah, we can't get rid of him. And even if they do, you know what? Shawal can pick up the phone to a competitor and say, hey, I've got my MBA, I've got these qualifications, this is my experience, you can get another job. So how do you protect yourself? I think a second element of it, which people don't realize how important is, is that cash is king. Now, a lot of people like to say cash is trash, invest it, invest it, get rid of it, whatever, et cetera. I think when you get into a recession, and even with this inflation element, you realize how important cash is for two standpoints. One, from a standpoint of emergency fund. So if you are to lose your job, do you have three months, six months of emergency fund where you could protect yourself and your family? And then secondly, do you have cash there where you can be ready to deploy? And that's the exploit part, which I'll cover later. But do you have cash ready that you can exploit and invest? Now, some people will say, oh, but we've got a 9%, 9% inflation. Your, your cash is worth 9%. Hey, if I had that in Netflix... That's down 75% or 70%. 9% doesn't sound that bad in comparison to it, right? So cash is king. Next thing is really, are you able to lock in any variable or any of your interest rates, right? We're going to see interest rates go up. So if you're someone that's got variable interest rates on your mortgages or other elements, is there opportunity for you to lock that in? And this interest rate thing is not something where People can sit on their high horse and say, oh, look at the people just buying houses now. You guys have got to pay high interest rates. Guess what? All your remo- all your mortgages are going to go for remortgaging and you're going to come out your fixed period and you're going to have to sign up to a new interest rate. Everyone is going to feel it, right? But if you're in a variable one, how can you protect yourself? Lock yourself in maybe for two, five years. Like Shuwa said, we're not your financial advisor. Speak to your financial advisor. This is what I'm doing. <laughs> Next element in that protection side is going through your budgeting. So you want to understand what are you spending your money on and what is inflation, recession sort of impacted. So like there's elements that you can't control. You've got to spend on food, right? But hey, myself, instead of me doing Uber Eats or Deliveroo where that service charge is going up, (laughs) <laughs> Maybe I could cook cook at home. So understanding your budget, understanding where you're spending, where can you save or cut back on, and even have the conversation with your partner or even yourself to say, hey, scenario test. Hmm. If we were, if I was to lose my job, what are some of the things we could cut back on or not? And hey, when you cut back on that money, it's not just so that you keep it there, which we'll talk about on the exploit part, is how do you prepare and get money ready so that you can start to invest? Um, and then the last sort of protect point that I will say is, which a lot of companies, and this is more businesses, is be careful of your leverage and how much debt you carry. And I think so many businesses are going to go out of uh, out of business due to the fact they've got such a high debt level and they're not making enough income or profit associated to that. Same with us personally. We invest in property, Right. A lot of people have purchased properties that are overvalued. If it if there's a slight pullback on it, you might get to a negative equity position, 
So during that period of time, is it is it are you able to do some repayments so that you could protect yourself from that um, negative equity? And then the second side of that coin is how do you exploit? So exploiting means that during this period of time where people are fearful, this is the best time to invest. Now, personally, myself, right, I think the the last sort of few months has been realization, I'll say a realization into generational wealth, into finance and investing, right? In 2020, we saw a massive correction in which I invested a lot of money into the markets. We saw really big growths. In 2021, last year, if I'm honest, I didn't invest that much into the market because I wasn't excited. Everything was just so overpriced, right? In 2021, I didn't buy any crypto. I didn't buy any of any of my Apple stocks. The only thing I pretty much purchased was um, oil and gas stocks. And that's because I get a discount, <laughs> I get a discount on it. And um, it wasn't as highly valued, right? Now I've started to become excited again to invest in the market because I've seen such massive corrections in the market where I'm like, okay, Amazon has gone down by a certain amount. This is now the nice time to buy. If I was willing to buy Amazon when it was at all-time highs, why am I not excited to buy it when it's 30% down? If I'm excited to buy Facebook when it was 50% higher, why wouldn't I be excited to buy it now? So this is the time, this, there's a saying that is when people are greedy, that's when you should be fearful and say, there's too much valuation increasing, bubbles. Let me stay out the market because doing nothing is not a bad thing. But now when everyone's fearful and you're seeing these massive corrections where we probably won't, we don't get that many of these corrections in our lifetime. This is the best time to be investing, increase your investing there. And the biggest thing I would say to people, right, is do not sell, right? We have seen there's been multiple recessions over the years. And each time there's been a recession, there's been a, there's been a recovery in most of the top top businesses and the indexes has always gone up and recovered so please 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 don't be forced to sell just because you see a correction if you were investing for five if you were planning to invest for 10 20 30 years this is a small dip in the grand scheme of 30 years so don't be forced to sell now i can understand you reallocating you might say hey i had my money in netflix i don't really believe in the philosophy of netflix or whatever don't put that into cash you might want to reallocate that to another company like amazon facebook whatever you think makes sense and see that go up but don't be forced or out of fear to sell your money so yeah that's pretty much what i'm doing again not financial advice but i've split into what am i doing to protect myself and what am i doing to exploit and right now i've already like yesterday um, I basically increased all my investments into the stock markets, et cetera, because I'm like, hey, these investments are 10, 20 years. In 10, 20 years time, I'm sure it's going to increase. Love that. And I think for the for the listeners, there there was a lot to unpack there from uh, Olu and Pavilo. But what I love about that is two different frameworks that you could potentially use. And it's definitely worth rewinding that and taking a, a pen and paper and making some notes from, from both Pavilo and Olu's uh, frameworks, because I think there's a lot of there's a lot of value there that you can combine even to a plan that works for, for you. But Daniel, do you want to build on Olu and Peace frameworks? I'll be very short. Buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride. <laughs> 
Buckle up, buckle up. Gonna be a wild ride. No, I think I think um, Olive and P shared some great insights and some you know, personal points that I think are very appropriate and apposite for us all, irrespective of the journey we're on. Um, but no, no, to, to, to some, you know, to, to some element, I'm I'm joking about buckle up, but it's gonna be it's not gonna be a three month period. It's gonna be like eighteen to twenty four months. So mm-hmm. it's gonna be for, for an extensive period of time. We are age to have experienced this because we're at university. But you know, Oli was mentioning quite a few things there, and it reminded me of um, Warren Buffett's quote: "Only when the tide goes out, you discover who's been swimming naked." Mm-hmm. Um, but I think from I think it's really a mindset um, thing, as as P mentioned as well, because whilst we're saying, or whilst many people say interest rates go up, save your money, save your money, it doesn't help the economy. You don't get out of a recession by everyone holding on to money. People need to keep spending for us to get out of a recession. You need to keep the, the spending habits up. Of course, you have to be very smart with how you spend, but you can't not spend. Otherwise, it's going to be a recession for a very long, extensive period of time. Um, but I do think it's all about the mindset because we could be in a recession right now. And unless the B of E announced that we're in a recession or the ONS announced we're in a recession, everyone will continue as they as they are. And, and I've, I've been also, I've always been intrigued by who benefits from a recession because ultimately there has to be a winner. We can't all be losers. There, there has to be winners. Um, you know, there's some very weird things that you, you, you discover when you, when you do such research and, and searches on, on who benefits. Um, you know, for one, Olu was mentioning about Uber Eats, but ultimately grocery stores benefit because people aren't buying takeaways. People aren't going out to eat. They're going to buy the, the the ingredients to cook a meal. They want meals to last longer to feed the family, uh, do bulk 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 um, meal prep. The sweets industry, funnily enough, benefit as well because even in the um, the recession in two thousand seven two thousand nine, uh, Cadbury profits increased by thirty percent. Nestle increased profits by eleven percent. Um, and even I think some of the some of these old chocolates like Snickers, Mars bars. And I think Tootsie Rolls in the US were actually invented in the Great Depression. So things do come out from, from such things. Uh, you know, even bars kind of benefit. People tend to be a bit down the view. <laughs> They've been drinking the uh, alcoholic consumption. Um, but yeah, it's I think in tough times, people tend to, 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 to turn to such things. But I was, yeah, I just, from a different angle and different perspective, who can benefit? You know, there are many things and like P mentioned, there are always opportunities. Um, I've shared it before. Crisis in Japanese and kanji spells danger and opportunity. And it's really your perspective. What do you want to believe in? Where do you see your side of the what pendulum do you, do you see your side swinging on? Because yes, it can be tough, but there are also opportunities that are going to exist. When we look, saw the, is it the dot-com boom, many companies went bust, but then some of the greatest companies came from that, mm. that, that burst. And similar right now in the tech industry, you know, tech, tech stocks are down 70 80%. Things are going to emerge in the Web3 space that are going to be here for the for decades to come. So whilst it's not necessarily nice to live in, we also have to think about what opportunities, to all this point, can we exploit? Where can we identify opportunities that will, right now, it can be painful, but long-term, will flourish, will thrive. Love that, Daniel. And I love the uh, the optimism and the constructive nature of that advice as well. And I think it really will put, put a lot of people in, uh, in a strong position. I think it, what's been great about listening to you guys is there's such a 
various different pathways that you can take during this 18 to 24 month period that we're going to go through. But I think you can pull advice from all of those elements and put 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 together a great plan for yourself. I think from from my side, and what I love about it is I've even got my own framework as well. So that's why I was laughing a little bit, the way that P and Ollie were framing theirs and Daniel were sharing his in terms of the multilingual Japanese element as well, Daniel. That's a nice bonus to chuck in. Um, I think on, on my side, it, it's, it's a framework that I've shared as well. So it's really around education, exposure, and expansion. So the way that that education element works, I think during this period, and Ollie already alluded to it earlier, if you can double down on your own skill set that you have, your own education, it doesn't necessarily need to be a formal education that you part a lot of money for, but it could just be being knowledgeable in areas, listening to podcasts, listening to Take Flight podcasts, for example, watching YouTube videos, um, watching the news, being more in tune with what's going on in the, in the Financial Times. All of these elements will keep you educated and keep you sharp. And I think being sharp during this period that we're going to go through is going to be very, very important and really will separate you from the pack. So that education element is the first part. The exposure element is the bit where your network that you are exposed to, they need to know what you're doing, who you're doing it with, what you're working on, and you cannot afford to disappear in the next six to 24 months. Whatever space you're in, whether it's your own business, whether you're working in the company, any space that you're in, the people around you need to know what you're doing, how you're doing it, and who you're doing it with. And this network will go a very long way because during that period, some people will disappear. You won't hear about some people and it'll be difficult to find them. But the ones that really stick out and continue to double down, whether it's individuals or companies, are really the ones that will be set up for success in the long term. So I think all of us individually um, need to ensure that we're keeping that exposure up. And the last piece, and I love how everyone's mentioned it in, in different ways, but it's really this expansion element. So for me personally, during the last two years, there were moments where I was thinking, um, and I think P and I have shared this at the beginning of the pandemic, P and I were looking at a joint deal together and it was quite a sizable deal at that time. But the pandemic had just kicked in and we weren't sure whether we go in or not. And then we paused because we wanted to see what the market was going to do. And then we decided that actually let's individually build what we're doing and then we'll continue to build together at a later date. Now, many other people at that point completely stopped to push forward. But the difference was that we continue to expand and that has now two years on put us in a great position now. And this has helped me to double down in some of the best relationships during the last two years. This has helped to change career tracks. This has helped to invest in my education. And all of these has put me at a much stronger position than I would have been two years ago if I didn't. And all of these guys that you're listening to on the podcast have done this in different elements in different areas. But that's why I think really in the next two years, we are in a great position. I just really... Um, recommend to all the listeners that during this period it's very easy to retreat but if you can find your areas of strength and to expand then you can really separate yourself from uh, a, a big part of the population to push on for you your family and those around you just the last one and this is a bonus one is really to think in the last in the next couple of years to continue to prioritize your health because times will get tough uh, stress levels will probably increase um, your appetite to sleep may reduce, um, rising food prices, rising energy prices, this can add to a lot of stress. But it's during that period that good sleep, movement, nutrition, all of these elements can help underpin a great uh, performance period during the next 12 to 24 months. And it will be rough. But I think with all of that that you've heard from all the, the co-hosts and the great advice, really will put us all in a, in a strong position. And I've learned a lot from this episode as well. So just to wrap up, um, the big, the big piece, the juicy piece, predictions. I think P, you've already shared a prediction. I think Daniel, you also alluded to a prediction in terms of how long will this period potentially uh, last, and when could we see a potential end to a to a recession? Any additional predictions, or maybe you can uh, recap the ones that you shared earlier in the episode. 
So for me, yeah, I think we've just given yeah, sorry a time frame. I think I think um, eighteen to twenty four months at the very minimum people should expect, right? So um, that's the time window that I'm looking at. So we're looking at twenty twenty four is when 2024. we twenty twenty four. The sun doesn't shine. The sun doesn't shine until two thousand twenty five. <laughs> Go on, Oli. <laughs> um, it's funny because Pete, you know, that's the the average length of a recession. That's exactly spot on in terms of average um time so did you google that or is it <laughs> no that's just i'm telling you i've from, since 2020 i could have told you all of this <laughs> um yeah so that's the, actually the average time the longest sort of downturn we've seen was 65 months um and the great um the great depression was 43 months which i don't i don't think we're in the great um depression so for me i think realistically ah. Oh, I'm going to go different from you guys, right? And I'm going to go with, we're going to see this resolved in 12 months. Mm. I'm saying 12 months. But there's I'm going to say quicker time. There's a reason why you're saying that. What do you think? Um, like, so the reason like, why I think that is because... Yeah, what, what's your thoughts? One, I, I think in regards to, we haven't seen a reduction in earning. Right, we're seeing all this cost of living, whatever, etc. But most companies are still calling higher earnings. And me personally, this one percent, zero point five percent interest rate increases is not going to slow down the market for us to be in a quote-unquote recession. Now, recession, I think, is going to be resolved in twelve months. I think the cost of living issue that we have, okay. Now that's okay. a different question. Okay. And that's what right. scares me. The cost okay. of living scares me. And I can see that being a three, even maybe four years problem. I don't think it's going to get back because a lot of these people's rents are going up. We're not going to see landlords say, rents. hey, yo, <laughs> rent's going down now, down 50%. No, it's going to be what it is, right? And I don't see employers saying, oh, here's an additional 50% salary, 60% salary. So that cost of living element, for me, that's a big problem. And <laughs> if we get into our reliance on debt, like the debt bubble, which we haven't seen that pop, if we get then to 10, 20% interest rates, yeah. oh, the whole, everything's burning. <laughs> so, but in my, in terms of recession, like, unfortunately, I feel like, We've reached a place where no matter what people are going to spend, and it's it's sad that that's the way that we're in, that place we're in. I'm seeing record amount of people on my Instagram still flying. Like no one on my yeah, Instagram but... is feeling recession <laughs> in that sense. So in the true sense of recession, so mm. reduction in GDP, I see it being um I see it being a 12 months thing. But I think the bigger problem that we've got to resolve is the cost of living, which I think that might be a three, four years. Daniel, your take? I said mine. I said mine. I think 18 to 24. I think it's going to be a long-term plan. I think we've seen from March early this year, especially in the US, a lot of um, QT, quantity tightening, which is opposite to QE, what Pete was talking about, you know, printing money, where the um, central banks will start to reduce the number of financial assets on its balance sheet by sending them to financial markets. So they often let these bonds expire, won't you know, purchase new bonds. And, you know, from a 9 trillion to reducing to 6 trillion, that's a, that's a big decrease um 
but also I just think to all this point, cost of living is going to be it's going to it's going to be an extensive period of time. And when you think about where we are now, these are ramifications from the pandemic to some degree. All these government loans, handouts, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Mm. Someone's got to pay for it. <laughs> and whilst it's not said on the tin, here's free money, here's free money. Great. I'm now alleviated from this immediate short term, but long term, what are the ramifications going to be? Mm. So right now we're living, you know, to what the the the, the UK government, the Treasury, uh, the Chancellor of Checker, Rishi Sunak, has been doing. Yes, great, it's helped people, but doesn't mean we won't have consequences. And of course, when you're given those such given such eloquent, wonderful speeches at a time of need, you're not going to say how we're going to pay it back. You're just saying, here's the money, here's the money. Then two quarters later, we're going to increase tax rates. We're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do that. Um, so yeah, it's going to be wild. <laughs> I, I say it, I say it, but it's, it's going to be wild because eesh, it's going to be a tough mm. one. Yeah, sure. Well, Daniel, thank you for, for sharing. I think it's almost uh, it's almost unfair to go last because it's very easy for me to say that my prediction would be in between all the average of uh, of, the, <laughs> of the of the three of yours. But no, I think this has been a, a great conversation. The only thing that I would add my prediction is that I think it will get a lot worse before it starts to get better. I think in terms of the the restructurings that we'll see in some of the larger companies, unemployment levels, I think this will get significantly worse than where we are today. And then only after then will we start to turn on the inflation and get um better and i think just holistically speaking if you do zoom out a little bit the human race especially in the last 20 30 40 years we have always been able to get our way out of it so it's just something to keep in mind yes on the news there's a lot of doom and gloom it does get tough but we've got through 100 of the recessions that we've gone through in the past and i don't assume mm. that the human race won't get through it this this time um and just the last comment i would add and this is a compliment to my amazing colleagues in the call um, I'm studying at Cambridge at the moment, and macroeconomics is a module that we have and that we're studying at the moment. And all the concepts that we've discussed are being picked up in the in the module. This conversation is on par with what is being discussed in class, guys. And you, the listeners, are getting this for free. So I hope with that you remember to subscribe, leave a review, and make sure to follow us on every platform that you are doing on. Um, I think with this, I'll give a give it over to Daniel to close out. Thank you all for listening to episode 139 of Take Flight Podcast. We certainly hope that this has been an educational um, episode, very different to what we've um, put out in the past, especially sharing some personal stories, some insights, and also our view on current state of affairs and where we think the market on a, on a global scale is going to be heading. Um, as always, if you have any feedback for us, find us on Instagram at Take Flight Podcast and be sure to check this episode out and all subsequent episodes on YouTube where you can have a real life interactive uh, experience with us all. Um, until next time, stay safe, God bless. Keep well. Take off, take flight with you.